0: I'm Smiley and I'm John Morrison. This is the Rooted and Grounded podcast. Rooted and Grounded is the ministry of Liquid Baptist Church that creates theological content to grow the church in our knowledge of God in order that we would grow in our love for him and for our neighbor. Check out more at rootedandgrounded.co. I thought about when I read it that time, rolling my R's. Should Mm. I have done that? You're speechless. I'm, He's speechless, uh, folks. Yeah, I'm leaning toward no. Oh, okay. I thought about doing it. Now that you've said I shouldn't, I'm glad I didn't. But you never know. I may just I may just do it one day because I can. I can roll my R's. I don't know if you can do that. I can't. You know, they don't really do that. I
1: didn't take Spanish. What? No, I took French, you know.
0: if I, I can't really sound French. I said, John... Uh, Roll your R's right now, or I'm going to burn your favorite library books. I just don't think I could do it. You couldn't do it? Don't try. No. Don't try. No. But you couldn't do it. Well, that's just a snip shot, snapshot, snippet, snip, snippet, snapshot into the life of John Morrison. <laughs> just want to let you learn fun facts about Dr. John. hmm on a much more interesting note, and the purpose of this podcast, we're talking about Ruth, which is a great book of the Bible. Isn't it? It's great. It's so good. And we're in our OT 19, Eden to Exile reading. This would be the week after last week. Very perceptive. It's weeks 32 and 33. Thirty-two and thirty-three together. Yes. So in thirty-two, we only read Ruth one. That's right. But in thirty-three, we read the rest of it, which is only three, four, and five. Three, two, three, and four. There it is. There it is. And uh, so it doesn't even cover a full full week. And then we get right into First Samuel. But we didn't want to let Ruth go by the book and not talk about it because it's just so good. And so we're going to spend this time talking about all. Of Ruth together, pull out some of the main themes, talk about some of the the, the significant points about it, and uh, then next week we'll get ready to roll into First Samuel. Ruth comes off the heels of Judges, and is it safe to say that this is like a cold glass of water on a smoldering summer's day? That is refreshing. Yeah. Yes. Yes.
1: It is, isn't it? Absolutely, and it takes place in the day, in the days when the judges ruled. But yeah, it's refreshing. There's hope. There are good characters, commendable characters. <laughs> oh boy! Excuse me, we're gonna have to edit that out. <laughs> whole thing is rude. Not only can I not roll my R's, also,
0: you know, a- terrible allergies. Just you sneeze. I have so many podcast. faults. So many faults. That we're commenting on your sneezing right now. <laughs> it's really just... Got Rain it in, Tyler. Rain it in. Because what you're saying was so good. Ruth is great. The, the we character... Have an, you know we have a producer now. He could edit stuff like that out. No, don't edit it out. Of course, we're keeping
1: all this.
0: <laughs> the, the character is commendable. That's
1: right, and it Ruth's commendable. Yeah, Boaz is commendable. Yes. Naomi
0: has a lot to commend as well. Mm-hmm. So it's just such a it. it uh, there's hope for humanity after all, you know. I mean, that's what it. That's what you get. But it's not just that human beings are going to be better or nicer or more well behaved, but that the Lord is not done with with his people. He's that's not right. done with his people. He hasn't forgotten his promises. He's not forgotten his plan and his goodwill, uh, all the way back from from Genesis 12, you know, his promises to Abraham. He's not forgotten. And exactly what you pointed out—that Ruth would begin in the days when the judges ruled. Uh, there was famine in the land. You know, which is it's just like a double whammy. There, mm-hmm. not only do we have these terrible, these terribly immoral. Uh, judges and people doing what was right in their own eyes. But now there's a famine. I mean, it's like catastrophic. Life is falling apart. Uh, But in the midst of all this, we're going to find a story of hope.
1: Well, I think worth pointing out those first few verses that God's people are leaving the promised land, right? They're not staying. So the very opposite of what we've been leading up to through the whole start of the Bible is God, God forming a people and getting them into his land and now they're leaving mm. because it's the days of judges. There's mm. famine. There's judgment, and so they're leaving.
0: Well, set the set the story. Let's set let's set together the story of Ruth. Okay. Uh, in the first first five verses, you get sort of the background, a quick narrative that uh, there's a man uh, named uh, Elimelech, and the name of his wife was Naomi, and the names of his sons. Uh, I'm not even going to say them because they were listed there, and uh, <laughs> and they took about Moabite, Moabite wives. The name of one was Orpa, the name of the other was Ruth, and they lived about uh, they lived there about ten years. And this is all the first. It's just setting the context, who they are, giving you the names, sharing yeah. with you the people. And should be pointed out that.
1: Taking wives from Moab was expressly forbidden. That's right. These were the people they were not supposed to intermarry with mm-hmm. because they would lead them astray. They would lead them to follow, follow foreign gods. So uh, you have a little bit of a question of how is this going to turn out? I mean, from the get go, right? These are people leaving the promised land That's and right. marrying non Israelites. So it doesn't, it, they actually don't start out very well.
0: Uh, yeah, This really. family is looking very questionable. That's right. It's it's just carrying on the the story of the judges once again. And and, uh, through their own poor decisions and rebellion against God and now also um, a lack of food in in, uh, cultivating the crops of the land, uh, things seem to be just continuing to spiral out of control. And to top all of it off, both Milan and Chilean— if that's how we say these names or not, I don't know. We'll find out one day. Maybe someone who really knows Hebrew would tell me I was wrong or right about how to pronounce these names. Wasn't that sort of the secret to all ancient
1: pronunciations? Is that in reality no one knows how to pronounce that's them?
0: That's the beauty of it. Mm, they and just Some people say it with more confidence than others. That's right. And, the, and so they died. And it just says that the woman was left without her two sons and by the way her husband had also died so it's just a story of disaster to start off with married two sons they marry uh you know intermarry and and now she's got n- nobody her husband's gone her sons are gone there's nobody to care for her it's just her and her daughters in law oh by the way <clears throat> One time when I was preaching through this, I accidentally said "daughter-in-laws" and was ferociously corrected immediately after the sermon. Do love English teachers. <laughs> Clearly, so it ye- was a very gracious I don't I don't remember who it was, but it was very gracious and kind. It's actually "daughters." daughters That's right. In-law. You you and I misspoke. Put the plural,
1: put the s on the primary noun. See, that's why I'm glad you're
0: around for Thank moments you. just like Thank this. You.
1: For moments just like this. Big difference between C and G,
0: I would say. Between C and G. U and G. U and C. See oh, what I did there? Oh,
1: I was being derisive oh, toward oh, your alma mater. I, I I, it was a joke, though, because I don't mm. want to get fired. Uh, a lot of people around here went U and G, so I got to be That's right. I was just right. trying to be funny. Of course, when
0: I went there, it was oh, NGCSU. Mm, excuse me. Excuse so things me. have really changed. Yeah. And uh, that's more syllables than your three. That's more letters, acronymic letters than your three, which I think means that's better. Simple math would tell you that. Simple it's a higher math. value. <laughs> so uh, I, I just really wanted to point out that I said it correctly this time. And I was pretty proud of myself. Doctors oh. in law. Yes. Can we, is, can we get a pat on the back here? I think I should. All right. And right. that's who she's got left. So she tells them, uh, Naomi Mm -hmm. tells to her daughters in law, you just go, like, go find another, find another husband, go live in a place where you can survive. Uh, I mean, she's just, she's basically freeing them from feeling any guilt of caring for her, looking out for her, feeling like they got to stay with her. And so she kind of releases them in that way. So one goes and the other doesn't, which is when you get this great uh, this great phrase of loyalty from Ruth, right? The one that we remember and that's used so often and that's just really this great um, passage that we can use in Ruth. Do you, do you have that pulled up? I do. Do you want to read it? Uh says so in chapter
1: one. Right. Do not urge me to leave you a return... From following you, for where you go I will go, and where you lodge I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, and your God my God. Where you die I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord Yahweh do so to me, and more also if anything but death parts me from you.
0: Okay, so there's a lot going on here. Number one, that was by uh, I don't know, worldly basic standards, A not a great plan for Ruth. I mean, she's she has now no one to care for her. And culturally, you know, this is going to lead to a very difficult life. But she is committed. She's committed to go with Naomi, her her mother-in-law.
1: Now, do you think, is this her commitment to see as a loyal daughter-in-law? Or is there something sort of spiritual and religious about this too? How do you read that phrase?
0: I think that's that's the fantastic part of this because out of Ruth, you get this, uh, you you get this true word from God from an unexpected place. Mm-hmm. This is not supposed to come. This this is supposed to be the kind of things that God's people say, not the enemies of God's people. This is supposed to be who God's people are represented to be, and that. Uh, in the midst of the judges, this Moabite woman named Ruth would have such a, a deeply uh, honoring theological f- promise about who this God is, is, uh, oh, it's just fantastic. I mean, it's showing God's promise. Really, okay, this is what is this is what I love about it too, is you're seeing God's promise to Abraham to be blessed into all the nations. Another glimmer of that, which you've just highlighted As we've been reading through the Old Testament, together, you see these glimpses coming up again and again. I think this is another one, right? Well, it has to be
1: that here is a a woman, not of Israel, who is now being folded into God's people because of her, as I read this, and as you see this, her apparent faith in the Lord that she lives. Why does she live a commendable life? Why is she loyal to her mother-in-law? Because of the Lord. And so there's. The remarkable thing is that she becomes an heir, I mean an ancestor, excuse me, of King David. So the end of the book gives us this uh, genealogy that gets us to David, that uh, Ruth is in the line of David. And actually, obviously, and then in David's son, Jesus Christ. And so you have here, not just that she is brought in as sort of a second class citizen, but she's a primary person in the history of Israel. She's a key, a linchpin to this history going forward and to God's purposes. She's not incidental. That's
0: exactly. As right. both a woman
1: and a foreigner, she is actually a key player, a key piece of God's plan for his people.
0: Which becomes abundantly clear as you get through and to the end of Ruth. That's right it becomes clear that that's not just an interesting way to read or a helpful way to read, but really a focal point of the story of Ruth. That everything else that maybe we'll talk some about, but everything else we find in there that's good and true and commendable and edifying. But that key is just such an important key as you get to the end of Ruth, when it has the at the very end the genealogy of David, that this was the... uh, line of Perez. So, uh, at the in 16 and 17, Ruth 4, 16, Naomi took the child in her arms and cared for him. The woman living there said, Naomi has a son, and they named him Obed. And he was the father of Jesse, the father of David. And he'll outline, uh, at the end, the whole genealogy. Which, we're told in Isaiah 11, that... One from the root of Jesse will come, and we finally find in Matthew 1 that it was indeed through this line that the the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, came to be born uh, in the same line. In in Matthew 1, 5, the father of Boaz, uh, whose mother was Rahab, Boaz the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth and Obed, the father of Jesse, and Jesse, the father of King David. So all of these things are being drawn in to clearly connect the story of God taking place to ultimately get us to the birth of Jesus Christ, the Messiah. And amazingly, it's Ruth for all the factors that you laid out.
1: Well, and the fascinating thing is you look at that genealogy at the end of the book. Right. These are the generations of Perez. Right. Well, who was who was Perez's mother? Pop quiz. You gotta oh, answer. you, have you to answer. want me to answer? I want you to answer.
0: Perez.
1: Genesis 38.
0: What? Who was his mother? Tamar. Oh, right. That's right. So another. That's right. Another in the line. Of David. I mean, of David. And of Jesus. Of Jesus. But another foreign woman. A woman, unexpectedly. Right. In the genealogy of Jesus. Mm-hmm. There it is.
1: I just think it's amazing that here God redeems even horrible situations. So with Judah and Tamar, mm-hmm. uh, with Ruth experiencing the loss of her husband, yeah, and this famine and all these things, God is able to redeem and bring good mm. out of
0: even those awful things,
1: which is pretty, pretty amazing.
0: Well, and it also brings some light to the, the importance of a genealogy of Matthew 1 when all this is laid out and how uh, this is not just merely a list of names to show, but this is the work of God through history, through unexpected means and unexpected people in unexpected places. He is at work. That That's right. He is going to accomplish what he has promised and set out to accomplish. And by his grace, he uses his people And uh, by his power, he miraculously works in unexpected ways, which really becomes the story of Ruth. Yes. That God would be working in these situations in shocking and unexpected ways. So Ruth commits herself to stay with Naomi. And the story of Ruth is they then, uh, uh, as she follows Naomi, and uh, they end up in Bethlehem which is another important city don't want to forget about that one would you like to sing a oh, little town of Bethlehem for us I would love to hear you sing that
1: I don't believe that was the question oh were you asking I was Joshua asking... <laughs> he is the most artistically talented person in here
0: so I think that includes music although I've been told I have a wonderful singing voice who? I've been told that. Really? That's interesting, because uh-huh. I've actually heard the exact opposite. No, no. You've heard wrong. Baritone and uh, soothing, I think. We're you have that. a wonderful speaking voice.
1: Oh. Yeah. The, the singing, you know, I don't want to throw anyone like Zach under the bus, but he has said that when your mic stays hot in the service sometimes, and you, he hears you through the his little earpiece. Right. Is that why he takes it out sometimes?
0: He, I haven't heard him say that. Right. But... I've been told I have a wonderful singing voice. I'm going to stick with that. Well, it's always good to have a fan. It's my word against yours. It's important, it's important to have
1: encouragers in your life, people who see the best in you. That's good. I'm glad. This that-
0: conversation is the story of judges all over again. <laughs> like, no matter how hard we try, it spirals out of control. And it continues to get worse. Until eventually everyone's gone and dead and the only one who's left remaining is the faithful one of the Lord that the Lord somehow will do his work through people like you and me in a podcast by God's grace we hope just salvage it salvage it now see if you can
1: so Ruth meets Boaz no it's the
0: story of judges all over again (laughs) and but Ruth does meet Boaz let's get back to Ruth if there happens to be anybody still paying attention Ruth Gets back, meets Boaz, and who is Boaz? None other than a relative. There he is. And uh, as it turns out, Ruth trying to fend for her life by picking up the scraps of the food that the 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 scraps from the uh, the threshing floor, right? Uh, the the so that she can provide for herself and Naomi. Well, just side note there.
1: Okay. So this idea that she could go and glean, go after right. the harvesters in the field right. and get grain, well, that comes up out of the law. Right. Uh, Boaz's relation and where that's going to go, as we'll describe, is coming out of the law that God has prescribed for His people. Yeah. So a lot of times we find the law very boring, but it is illuminating what's happening here. Like it's giving us the cultural context. Or at least part of the context to help us understand, like what's going on, why is she here? It just makes it. It's important to read to understand, and to make to have that context to actually be able to make sense of these. What is really one of the best stories in the Old Testament? That's right. So read the Old Testament. There you go.
0: And not and you've we have now shown the importance of genealogies and the law through one fascinating story. I mean, what else could you ask for? Two things that we are want not to read, and yet we're shown that they are undeniably necessary to understand the story of God. And we have discussed your singing voice, which is something else
1: we don't want to hear or read. I guess you can't really read it, but you get the point. (laughs) There's supposed to
0: be a better dig in there somewhere, but... I I see what you did there. Yeah, thank you. It was a dig, and uh, that's okay. That's right. So Boaz... (laughs) So Boaz is allowing, according to God's law, this to happen. That uh, after the harvesters go through, there would be this allowance, and which is a great sign for Boaz right? that he's obedient to God's law. Uh huh. Yep. Commendable immediately. Commendable, and uh, and he meets Ruth through this process. Naomi encourages it, and uh, and Boaz and Ruth strike up this relationship, and. Boaz then is going to try to figure out how he can, uh, gosh, redeem Ruth. I mean, really, so that's an important word in scripture. That's an important word. What does it mean here? So here, Ruth, who was married and and no longer has a husband. Is uh, widowed and we a widow? We call that widow. Yeah. All right. I said widowed. Would you let me finish my thought? She's widowed. She. I'm describing what's happening. Sorry. Building the tension. She's widowed. She's fending for her life. Uh, she's struggling to survive and keep by. Uh, and she meets Boaz, who is, uh, like we said, just this redeemable character. This man. And he is going to uh, fulfill his role as what will be called the kinsman redeemer to marry Ruth and provide and give her a home and, and all these kinds. So this redeemer in this way is is taking what uh, uh, what was what was lost, buying it back in a sort of way, uh, but for him. It's, it's taking responsibility and care for this widow, this woman, his bride to be. And even as he does this, he's showing himself even more commendable because he doesn't just take her. I mean, he follows what would be the procedures, according to the law, mm-hmm. of being this person to take her as his wife. So he's waiting to see, are there any others who may be, I guess, closer in the line of kinsmen to take her as a wife? Which, in a lot of ways, is saying, uh, taking on this person to care for, provide for, marry, have as a bride. I mean, all these things. Right. So
1: to purchase her the land that was that's right entitled to her that's husband. Right. That's right. But then, in doing so, to carry on her husband's name and. If I understand, maybe correct me if I'm wrong here, at least one of their sons mm-hmm. would carry on mm-hmm. uh, Ruth's first husband's right. name and his line and not Boaz. So there's a big sacrifice there in terms of yep. financial, uh, even his honor, his legacy. He puts at risk by doing this, and yet he does it because he loves Ruth. I mean, it really seems that there's a mm-hmm. genuine affection and love that develops there. So, Redeemer, it's a word we often use to describe Jesus. That's right. How does this idea of sort of buying a field and Mm -hmm. taking on responsibility for Ruth, Mm -hmm. how does that connect? with? So, Boaz is kinsman, Redeemer. How does that connect? What does that teach us about how Christ is our Redeemer? What do we learn from Boaz that illuminates who Christ is?
0: Yeah. I think you see the affection of Boaz towards Ruth as his desire to do this. Mm. It, Boaz is not seemingly gaining anything, and he's he's doing what he knows to be right and true and honorable and according to what the Lord would desire. And so in these ways, Boaz really shows himself to be, in, as best he can, honoring the Lord and honoring Ruth and how he's going forward with this. Uh, he's doing it as best he can according to God's law, But I think you're right that there's a sense of affection between these two that is drawing him to desire to uh, be this person, this kinsman redeemer to Ruth. And I think in Christ you see the same thing, that Christ, in order to honor the Father, is sent Mm -hmm. and comes to rescue his people who we will come to hear called the church, who is then shown to be finally the bride of Christ, that he has come to save and rescue and redeem his people in a way that is for their good and uh, for his joy, his desire, because of his affection for his people. He would come and save and and pay the price in in a way, Mm -hmm. which is his life, that by the very blood of Christ, he buys his people and he redeems them. In that way, and I think you see it shown and depicted in Boaz and Ruth, a, uh, and the imagery of that is fantastic. And I think it connects so much of the the Old Testament people of God, their relationship with God being described as that of a marriage relationship, and carried into the New Testament, same thing. Uh, when even even our final time in Revelation with the Lord is the marriage supper of the Lamb. Mm. This is with our with the bride and groom together feasting, celebrating, uh, joyous in one another.
1: And that's the picture of our hope, Yeah, is a, is a banquet with our God.
0: So the end of Ruth, Ruth 4, 13, Boaz took Ruth, she became his wife, and uh, the Lord gave her conception, and she bore a son. And the women said to Naomi, Blessed be the Lord, this is good, who has not left you this day, without a redeemer. And mm. may, may his name the renowned uh, be renowned in Israel. He shall be to you a restorer of life and a nourisher of your old age for your daughter-in-law who loves you, who is more to you than seven sons has given birth to him. And Naomi took the child and laid him on her lap and became his nurse. And the, the woman... Uh, the women of the neighborhood gave his name, saying, A son has been born to Naomi, and they named him Obed. And he was the father of Jesse, the father of David. Which is where we started when we we're, when we're beginning this talk. That uh, all of these descriptive, what, these, this language that's used of the women to Naomi, Blessed be the Lord. He's not left you this day without a redeemer. May his name be renowned in Israel. He'll be to you a restorer of life, a nourisher in your old age. Uh, worth even more than seven sons. I mean, this is just, this is showing us Christ. Well, I think what a beautiful,
1: so we see the big picture of where this is going with Christ, but you look right. at Naomi specifically, right. this woman who said, no, 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 don't call me Naomi, call me Mara, call me bitter. Yeah. For the Lord, right. for the Almighty has dealt bitterly with me. And so that even in this story, not just is, Na- is Ruth redeemed, but more importantly, right. Naomi is redeemed in her relationship with the Lord. That's right. That she goes from bitterness, mm-hmm. anger, to one who is rejoicing in God and in his salvation. Yep. And I think you just see see the Lord's goodness on a grand scale, but also in the sort of microcosm of individual lives that he is working for the good of his people.
0: That's right. The story of Ruth starts in the days of the Judges with the famine in the land and lots of people dying and uh, and just catastrophic life events happening. And through the grace of God, we end with the renowned of Israel coming, the one that's hoped for, who uh, certainly is, as we read in chapter four, uh, named Obed, who is the father of Jesse, the father of David. Who will be become king after a man after God's own heart, king of Israel? But then the truly renowned of Israel, who comes, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Uh, just seeing that depicted, how God can work to bring that kind of hope and uh, love and redemption to His people in the midst of chaos, in all sorts of ways. That's Ruth. That's Ruth. It's a great story. It's refreshing. It's in the midst of uh, on the heels of judges before we get into the kings and uh, such a a wonderful, wonderful story about God's faithfulness in every situation of life. All right. Well, that's um, all the time we have for today, John. Excellent. So we should probably wrap up. You good with that? I'm good. I just want to make sure you're on board. Well, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I like to evaluate and include you. Even though you take subtle digs at me and my singing voice. Oh wait, that's all I have to say. They're subtle. I'm sorry. I apologize. I'll I'll work on that. (laughs) All right. That's all the time we have, John. Thanks for your time. All right. Thanks, Sally.